lovely to be with you. I think it was two or three years since I last came down. And, um, but uh, I have a special heart for Basildon because I was just recalling to my mind as I was driving down here today that uh, 29 years ago I started a job in uh, the careers service in Basildon. It was my first job in Essex and um, I worked in Essex then for 10 years uh, with the careers service and thoroughly enjoyed it and I, I love Essex people. I'd, I'd never met anyone from Essex really or knew much about the county before I came here but uh, I, I really fell in love you know with the people and um, I think it, you know it's always caricatures are totally wrong about Essex girl and all of that um, Essex woman but anyway, I'm now in Rugby in the Midlands and we, I bring greetings from New Life Church Rugby which is part of the network uh, where Alan Scotland is based. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to work closely with Alan up there and um, so greetings from that church. But uh, this morning I've been asked, I was invited by um, Keith Brockbank to talk to you about singlehood. Uh, and uh, oh, great it's all up thank you oh, that's wonderful um, and what does the Bible say about this topic and how does it apply to us as a church um, and uh, those kind of issues so let's just pray and ask the Lord to help us so father we thank you for this beautiful day and the, the opportunity to come and worship you be with one another and uh, hear your word so please speak uh, to us, uh, anoint the hearers and the speaker with the Holy Spirit, and may we just go away from here, having grasped something fresh from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, <clears throat> singlehood and marriage, two choices in a way, and um, in, in life, we have many choices, don't we? And quite often, the choices are between two good things. Uh, and I've got to, I'm going to put a few up now um, on, the, on the PowerPoint, um, just by way of introduction. So I don't know which way I click this thing, but let's see if it works. Oh, yes, here we are. So which would you rather see, born or bond? Um, <laughs> You see the guy on the right, um, he's actually a Daniel Craig lookalike. Uh, I occasionally stand in for him. Um, if you've seen the film Skyfall, um, you probably wouldn't have been able to discern who was who because we look so alike. But, uh, so, uh, hope, well, you know, there's hoping. Anyway, uh, born or bond? Let's take another one. Which would you rather, steak or chips or chicken jow freezy? Uh, Pete and Liz are shortly off to India. Uh, that's a difficult choice for me. Um, of course, you may be a vegetarian, in which case think corn steak and uh, chickpea uh, curry. But uh, anyway, difficult choice. Uh, here's another one. TV on a Sunday night recently, which would you rather, Victoria or Strike? Um, I understand Strike's very good, I've not seen it, but um, is that what it's called? I think it's called that, anyway. And then, you know, which chocolate bar would you like? I like both of them, but I suppose the Mars bar's got to be the king, hasn't it, to help us work, rest and play. But these are all good choices. But ultimately, which would you rather be? 
married or single and I, I don't know uh, you know many here what what your current uh, state is um, but um, what I want to try and put across this morning is that singlehood is not a kind of second uh, choice as far as the Bible is concerned it's an equally valid choice to being married um, so uh, uh, by the way, in case you didn't know, I am myself single, have been all my life. Um, I, so I come to you from that place. But um, <clears throat> what I want to do this morning, getting onto some more serious things now, this is what I want to look at with you. A survey was done about three years ago, a very good survey by an organisation called YouGov, PLC of a representative sample of over 7,000 people um, looking at what is the church made up of today and they, so they looked at all different categories and I, I want to share one or two of those statistics because it's quite interesting just for us to understand what is happening in the UK church regarding marriage and singlehood but then I want to look at what the Bible uh, says about singlehood and the church. Um, oh, am I still on? Yep. Uh, <clears throat> and then the church and single people. How does the church respond to this issue? And then what about how do single people in the church uh, live out their lives? So these are the points I want to raise this morning. Now on this next slide, there's a, a lot of writing, I'm sorry about that, um, but <clears throat> don't worry about it. There are three main points I want to bring out from this survey that was done. Um, and they're just quite interesting. The, most, the first interesting thing is that 47% of the UK population are married, but 60% <clears throat> of people in the church are married. In other words, there are more proportionately married people in the church than there are in the country world. You know, and that's probably common sense, actually, because a lot of people are not married but living together outside of the church. But in terms of the church, 8% uh, of unpartnered people regularly attend uh, a place of worship. But this is the interesting statistic. The, the majority of single people in the church are made up of women who are middle class and professional. Um, now, this is quite an interesting statistic, and I think it's one that we need to take to heart, that there are literally thousands more single women in the church than there are men, and they fall into the category of uh, <clears throat> I, mean, I hate to use these terms, but middle class and professional. And it's quite an interesting statistic. And connected to that one, but also um, just out of interest, the church population is generally ageing. Um, so that over 72% of uh, church attendees are over 40. <clears throat> um, by implication, and... I think we just know this, by implication, the single population in churches is, is the age profile is not just under 30 now. Um, 
You know, I mean, all of this you might think is, I don't know what you think of it, but for me, I find it quite interesting because when I was in my 20s in the church, um, a church like this, you know, it was um, community church, whatever, the kind of philosophy was you're in your 20s and teens and 20s, you're in a waiting room waiting to get married. And there used to be sort of announcements, uh, leaders and their wives uh, will be going to X conference. I'm glad that's no longer said, actually. Um, but we've got to get away from that mindset, just in case it's with any of us, because the whole landscape has changed. Um, and um, these are some of the realities that exist in the church today. Anyway, all of that by way of background, let's move now to what the Bible has to say. And I'm going to start with Jesus. Um, <clears throat> what did Jesus teach on the subject of singlehood? Well, when he was talking about divorce, it's quite interesting that he, he came to a statement, and I'll, I'll read out what he said. Um, it's it, you can find it if you want to in Matthew 19 verses 11 to 12. But he said, <clears throat> some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men. Others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, the one who can accept this should accept it. Bear in mind that Jesus himself, you know, sometimes we read these things that Jesus said, and we think, oh, you know, here's the teacher giving us um, objective teaching. But bear in mind that Jesus was a man. He was a man in his early 30s. I wonder if he had a strong desire to, marriage, to marry sometimes. I don't know if you've ever reflected on that. And so when he makes a comment like, um, some have renounced marriage for the kingdom of heaven, he's including himself in that statement. But then he says, the one who can accept this should accept it. Interesting. <clears throat> so he's making a challenge, really, that some people will choose to um, <clears throat> be single for the sake of the kingdom. Put another way, you know, you can do a lot more probably as a single person uh, in terms of your time and your resources than you can if you're married <clears throat> for the sake of the kingdom. And then he himself modelled a life of devotion to his father. I mean, didn't he? I mean, he was always in prayer. Um, he spent 40 days in the wilderness in prayer. Um, <clears throat> fasting. He often got up early in the morning and withdrew to be with his father. Things that are easier to do if you're single than if you're married, um, particularly if you've got kids. Um, but uh, <clears throat> a single person has that um, privilege in a way, opportunity. But the interesting thing is that Jesus clearly needed and cherished close friendships and relationships with both men and women. Um, you know, we know that. He had a special relationship with the two sisters, Martha and Mary, and their brother Lazarus. And he loved to spend time in their house. And he had his close, three close disciples, uh, Peter, James and John, 
and he often took them with him uh, when he went you know, up the Mount of Transfiguration, when he healed Jairus' daughter. He had these close friends. And when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the tragedy was that they all fell asleep. But he wanted them with him in his hour of suffering and need. Jesus needed these close friendships. He cherished them. And um, I'm going to say a bit more about this in a moment. But as single people, um, we need those kind of friendships. Uh, I've just come back from a holiday um, with Oak Hall, the Christian holiday organisation, and I was with a really close friend of mine uh, who used to be a pastor with the Ichthus network of churches. But, but we met some women, and uh, it, we had some really good times of fellowship, you know, just over a glass of something in the evenings in a nice courtyard in uh, Sicily. But it was great, it was delightful, and uh, some of those people we'll be getting back to because we formed some very good friendships. So <clears throat> friendship, Jesus enjoyed that, needed it, cherished it. Um, well, let's go on to the other person. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that two of the most statured people in the Bible, well, Jesus was the most statured, but the Apostle Paul must come second, were single. Um, we don't know if Paul was ever married. Some people say that he must have been because every, all the Pharisees, which he was once, supposedly married. But we just don't know if he was a widower by the time he was writing or if he'd always been single. But Paul, like Jesus, gave himself wholeheartedly to his ministry of evangelism and church planting. And one wonders, I mean, actually, sometimes he did actually wistfully say at one point, you know, uh, Cephas, Peter, you know, has, has taken a believing wife with him. Implication, I wouldn't mind doing so myself. But he didn't. He, he was committed so, solely to what he wanted to do. He himself experienced loneliness at times, as Jesus did, um, in... Second Timothy, near the end of his life, <clears throat> he said, everyone's deserted me. And he, he listed the people. But he said to Timothy, to whom he was writing, you know, come soon, because I, I'm, I'm, I really need your fellowship and your friendship. Um, so, <clears throat> but Paul also learned to be content. Now in Philippians chapter 4, he's actually talking about money. Um, but I think we could... It, put that to other contexts <clears throat> um, he says I've learned to be content in all circumstances and contentment is a wonderful thing isn't it um, whether you've got a lot of money a little money whether you're single whether you're married God wants us all to be content today you know, this is the day that God has made um, am I content in it or am I Longing for something that I don't currently have. Um, contentment is a great thing to have. <clears throat> and then um, Paul, though, like Jesus, had and needed and cherished a wide range of deep friendships. In the church in Philippi, there were two ladies called Eudea and Syntache who were rather at loggerheads with one another. Paul wanted to gently bash their heads together to bring them together and a man called Clement but he said that they were his fellow uh, workers these were people he cherished 
And then in Romans 16, there's a whole long list of people that Paul uh, viewed as his friends, men and women, married and single. And uh, Paul needed and wanted these people. And we could give you this morning in a many different examples of single people in the Bible. Daniel was clearly not married. Um, who else have I listed here? Anna, in the beginning of Luke's Gospel. John the Baptist. Uh, I don't think Elijah and Elisha were married. Lots of biblical characters were godly people serving God. Uh, and you could go through church history, actually, and list a whole load more. Um, so, singlehood is definitely no barrier to serving God. And I'll say a bit more about that in a moment. But then the Bible also teaches us, and um, I don't know, I think this series is loosely based around this book. Um, I don't know if you've seen this book by Ed Shaw called The Plausibility Program Problem. Uh, Ed Shaw is a same-sex attracted man, but he is a, also a church pastor who's chosen to live celibate. And um, if you haven't read this book and you're a booky person, uh, I'd highly recommend it. It's an excellent book. But one or two of the chapters, he talks about missteps that the church um, have got wrong. Um, particularly in regard to, to single people and same-sex attracted people who he recommends should be single. But um, one of the things that he says is about the church. And the church, as we've just been celebrating round the table, is God's family, God's new family. Whatever our natural families, we belong to a new family, the church. And I was listening to Alan Scotland speaking to a group of leaders yesterday in this training session. And um, he was saying that the church is primarily a community. Before it's a congregation, it's a community. Congregations meet on a Sunday. Um, they may meet at other times in the week, but the community is always there, isn't it? And... Uh, we are all, if we're believers, part of that community, whether we're single, whether we're married. We all belong to this divine society, God's church. And, uh, you know, Jesus says, whoever does my will, the will of my Father in heaven, is my brother and sister and mother. And the early church in the book of Acts, they clearly, they share their lives together. They practice hospitality towards one another. And uh, there were principles laid down about living in harmony with one another. And in the immortal words of Sister Sledge, we are family. Uh, I won't attempt to sing it, but, but we are, aren't we? We are family together. And, you know, as a single person, a single person should be equally valued and appreciated. Actually, I've always appreciated um, Alan and Betty Scotland, that they've always had this uh, take. And I think it's because they went to this college, the Bible College of Wales, which some of you may remember, we used to have Bible camps down there. Well, a lot of the staff who were at that Bible college, through the decades, um, because it was founded in 1924, were single people. 
And they'd actually made a kind of, almost like a vow of celibacy to serve God. And they committed their lives to this. But it was highly respected um, in that community. And uh, it was almost, um, how can I put it, reverenced. But, but I think Alan and Betty, although they married of course, but I think they've taken that respect for that status with them. And um, in the church today, you know, we're all equally valued, whatever our status. Uh, I love the verse that in Galatians where Paul says, you know, it doesn't matter if, you know, you're, you're Greek or Jew, um, whatever your background, and I'd like to put married or single in there, you know, we're all equally valued in Christ. Um, and actually, um, that's where we get our identity, isn't it? It's in Christ, in the family. So, <clears throat> what else does the Bible teach us? Well, you may remember that there's a chapter in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around the scriptures, but 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is a famous chapter where Paul argues about, is it better to be married or single? And it's quite an interesting chapter. Um, and I won't go there in detail, but just to extract a few principles. I think basically what he concludes, and what many Bible commentators have concluded from this chapter, is really, um, it's good to marry. Marriage is a good thing, hopefully. But it's also good to be single. Uh, in other words, <clears throat> take your pick. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, uh, it's good to be married. It's good to be single. Um, a couple of points to make, however, is that in those times that Paul was writing, it would have been a bit like you have still in India today, more extended families. And so the commitment to being a married person was probably greater then than it is now. Um, um, and of course, we still have grandparents and grandchildren, um, <clears throat> but you know there was a whole host of uncles, aunts and everything else. And there was a, a responsibility there towards uh, a married person, which maybe the single person didn't have to that extent. So that may have been a bit in Paul's thinking. <clears throat> um, he also implies that there's a gift in this passage. And most people have thought, well, he's talking about the gift of being single or singlehood. <clears throat> but other commentators have thought, well, it could be the gift of just self-control. We don't know. But anyway, there is a gift implied in the passage. Uh, <clears throat> of course, the other thing to say about that passage was that Paul was talking about a time when there was rampant persecution. So when he was saying things like, well, it's probably better if you don't get married if you're single, he was saying, you know, you, it would probably be easier <laughs> um, to live. Um, and we don't have much persecution yet in this country. It could be coming. Um, at the moment, we don't have it. But anyway, conclusion of that passage is, it's good to get married, it's good also to be single. <clears throat> Either way is fine. Well, I'm going to now move to a few practical points. <clears throat> uh, the church and single people, and then single people and the church. Well, let's start with the church and single people. 
<coughs> well, as I've already implied, the first point is that we should value single people <coughs> and give them precisely the same opportunity uh, to serve as married. <coughs> I don't see any bar in the scriptures to any uh, lesser status to single people. And that includes eldership in the church. I am an elder in my own church in rugby, um, <clears throat> just as much as to married people. Um, I suppose the only l slight limitation that a single person might have is in the counselling situation. But then I could say the same for married people. You know, a married man um, should perhaps at least take his wife along or another mature uh, woman if he is going to uh, counsel a woman on his own. Uh, so, but anyway, the point is no bar to single people in serving the Lord. Second thing is hospitality towards single people is a good thing to practice. <clears throat> um, when I went to, when I was a student, I, I went to Reading University. Uh, and I went to a church called Carey Baptist Church and they had an amazing, I've never seen this in any other church since that time, but basically they had a system for students and I think it may have extended to other single people, which was basically to, single people or students could be adopted into a family and I was linked to a family and it was open house on a Sunday. I could go there for every lunch and they used to have afternoon tea because they had an evening service as well. And uh, it was really delightful actually because I was welcomed into that family as if I was part of the family. And I thought that, that was a big commitment on the part of those people, but it was a beautiful thing. And um, I think I'd, we may not stretch to that, but... Um, my message is just to reach out to those who are single among us, be it a single parent or a single person who's never been married, and uh, let's practice hospitality generously uh, towards single people. And then, <clears throat> um, little thing that I uh, just want to mention, don't assume that single people have all the time in the world. Um, because bear in mind, you know, we have to do all our shopping, cleaning, uh, everything else alongside uh, sometimes quite demanding jobs. But um, none of us really, married or single, have a huge amount of time, do we? But, uh, um, <clears throat> but don't assume that singles do just because you're not married. Um, a few more practical things. How about celebrating significant dates for single people? Because there are not uh, engagement parties, wedding anniversaries, baby showers, or other things that single people can celebrate. But there are significant birthdays. Um, about two years ago, I went to um, a church down in Surrey, Cranley Baptist Church near Guildford, where one of my best friends was celebrating his 60th birthday. And um, it was wonderful because they made a real thing of it. It was like an afternoon celebration. I mean, this guy is quite a significant player in the church. He coordinates all their music and worship and he preaches a lot. But, but I just loved it that they made a real celebration of this guy's 60th birthday. You know, they had a great spread of food and they celebrated his life and slides and uh, 
all sorts of things and I, I thought that was wonderful. And so, you know, let's be mindful of uh, hallmarks for single people and celebrate uh, things like that. Uh, understand and support singles in their pressures, including broken relationships from the past. Uh, sexual struggles. Um, I'll just pause on sexual struggles for a moment. You know, we are all sexual beings. We all have a sex drive. Um, and um, the last thing a single person wants is a sort of heavy condemnation, uh, particularly if they share with you, as a mature person, you know, struggles that they're having. They don't need to be bashed over the head, but um, they need to be encouraged. And, you know, I say this um, because if you're married, you have an outlet in this area. A single person doesn't. Um, but I love what Paul says, no temptation that faces anybody. It, they're all common, common to man. And I think as the church, we can tend to sort of brush the sex thing under the carpet and pretend that we're all sneak, uh, squeaky, squeaky clean. But the reality is that none of us is. Uh, forgive me, I, if you are, please put your hand up. But none of us is. Um, because just remember that Jesus said, even if we think a certain thought, it's the same as the act. So none of us in this room is perfect in this area. But we need to support and encourage one another. And then single parents, I mean, I, I just don't know you all, but um, single parents need support as well. I remember when I was in a church in Leeds, there was a lady, lovely single parent lady, divorced, but she had two children, a boy and a girl, and the boy was the oldest, and he was about 13 or so, and she made a deliberate point of saying, I really would love some men to spend time with my son uh, because he doesn't have that male role model you know could it be that um, some men would deliberately spend time with him and I thought that was nice so let's be mindful of the single parents and ways we can support them and then um, leaders may assist with some judicious matchmaking um, I've been on the end of this and actually I I do quite like it um, uh, Unfortunately, you can see that it hasn't worked in my case, <laughs> but um, I, I don't mind it when people try and do this uh, across churches, you know, or whatever. Some judicious matchmaking. Um, uh, so anyway, I, I just encourage you, if you're a leader, don't think it's a bad thing to do. Um, and then finally on this one, um, provide good teaching on courtship, marriage, and sex. It, I do find it, I don't know about you, a bit disturbing that the divorce statistics uh, are about the same now inside the church as they are outside the church. And I, I, I do wonder whether we're missing something a bit here, that we imagine that our young people can pick everything up by osmosis, you know, about marriage and courtship. But when I was in a church, going back to that church in Leeds as a young person, well, even younger than I am now, it was about 30 years ago, but um, 
We had a man called David Matthew, who will be familiar to one or two of you, great Bible teacher, but he did four consecutive Wednesday nights on the issue of courtship, relationships, dating, engagement and marriage and sex. Very practical, very good. And I think uh, we need as churches, particularly for our young people, to be providing good, practical, foundational teaching in these areas. Let's not assume that people will just pick it up. Um, Because unfortunately, you know, we know that um, they don't always. So that's a bit about the church and single people. Let me just move on now to uh, single people and the church. Well, the first thing, I've already made this point, but I'll just underlie it again. Um, Our identity, whether we're single or married or whatever our background, is in Christ. You're all sons of God, that's female as well as male sons of God in Christ Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, single or married, we're all one in Christ. So our identity is not in our marital status or otherwise. Secondly, as a single person, let's serve wholeheartedly, pitch in. As we've already said, everything's open to the single person, should be. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, do not let anybody look down on you because of your youth. Well, I'd just like to make a paraphrase, do not let anybody look down on your singlehood. But um, serve uh, as a a valid uh, person. And then single people can practice hospitality. I mean, I'm sure you do if you're a single person, but as much as married people. Not always as easy, if I'm honest, you know, because I'd like it quite sometimes if there was, maybe I should get a little robot or something, just to assist in the cooking and, you know, etc. But um, it, I, I love having people around to my house um, and uh, uh, practicing hospitality and putting the odd party on. Um, So let's uh, be bold. If you have a home, use it. And then engaging uh, with our natural families and the families of others, as well as the church family. Um, I love the fact that I have uh, three nephews and one niece, and uh, I have a godson. Um, and it's great to participate you know, in these ways, in the natural family, but also in the church family. Um, so let's be involved. And then this is, the next point is a big one, and this is one that um, Ed Shaw brings out. And I just want to spend a moment hovering over this. But find intimacy in friendships, because the world is sending us a lie And this is what Ed brings out in his excellent book. And the lie is this, that ultimate intimacy is found only in sex. Ultimate intimacy is found only in sex. And every, you know, the TV dramas and the films are selling us this lie, aren't they? You know, as soon as two people get really close, they have to jump into bed together. Well, um, intimacy, let's just say a little bit about sex. Sex is a beautiful gift given to us by God. He's created us as sexual beings. But it only has one context, and that is marriage. 
and between a man and a woman. Uh, that's the only context that the Bible talks about in terms of sex. But it's a beautiful gift. God's given it to us. But is it possible to have intimacy outside of marriage? And I want to suggest to you, yes it is. How? Through very close, deep friendships. And that's what God wants all of us, whether we're married or single, because you can be lonely in a marriage. Um, but God wants all of us to have intimate friendships. I mean, hopefully, between two married people, that is your best friend. But, but if you're not married, um, intimate, close friendships. You know, it was said of Jonathan and David, you know, they had love for one another greater than that of a woman. Now, of course, some people have interpreted that to mean they must have been gay. Um, but I don't think that's a correct interpretation. I think it was just a beautiful friendship that they had between one another. And um, it's possible to have those kind of friendships. And I think those kind of friendships is what Jesus had with people like Martha, Mary, Lazarus, what Paul had with a number of people. Very close, intimate relationships where we can experience intimacy. Um, and I, so I just want to really underline that one, that if we're not married, it doesn't mean that we can't have intimacy. We can. And uh, <coughs> we, <coughs> if we don't have that, let's pray for it <coughs> and then seek those kind of friendships. And then, <coughs> related to that, extend the kingdom of God by pursuing friendships. What do I mean by that? Well, if you don't have friends or you want to build friends, then be friendly. And um, one way that that can be done is, um, how about reaching out? You see, the problem that many single people have is that within their own local church, there may not be enough single people. So my advice then is we have to sort of broaden the net a bit um, and uh, spread the net. And uh, that means um, possibly finding some Christian friends in churches in Basildon, outside of Living Word Community Church. And uh, uh, when I was in Swansea, uh, two or three of us uh, who were single decided we'd start this social uh, club. And initially we called it a singles group, and we put on a barn dance and invited a whole lot of people from all the local churches. Two or three people drove away when they saw the sign, singles event, because they, they just hated that connotation. So we changed the name to Western Lights. But, um, but we, had, we put on some great events and people you know, enjoyed coming together. So we can do things like that. But then finally, um, as I've already said, single people can be content, but also if you want to get married, take the initiative. And uh, there are such things as Christian online dating sites, if you feel comfortable to use those. Um, there are, as I've said, Christian holidays, organisations. There are different things that people can do. Uh, I also belong to the National Christian Walking Club and the local branch of that, the Leicestershire and Warwickshire Walking Club. Uh, and I sometimes go across to the, the West Midlands one as well. And I've met loads of people, men and women, in that way. 
What I'm really saying is, um, let's take the initiative to build friendships. And who knows, out of that, God may allow you to find a partner. Because the Bible does say, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Implication is, you've got to do a bit of exploring. It won't just drop out the sky and land in your lap, necessarily. It might do, but I think that's probably the rarity. Well, I just want to finish with this one scripture from the book of Revelation, which is the final hope for both married people and single people is that we're all going to have a new status in heaven uh, or on the new earth. And here's a scripture where the Apostle John, he writes, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. He's talking about the church, you and me. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain, great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. I just want to say to us all that in heaven, uh, marriage will be abolished in the sense that we know it today. And if you're married now, you better get used to the fact that you, you will lose that particular status, but you will be married in a different sense, joining the single people, married to the Lamb, the, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ we will be his bride he will be um, with us and it will be a wonderful union and uh, we can all look forward to that so marriage is a temporary institution uh, the <coughs> great bible teacher David Pawson <coughs> was, uh, once spoke about a conference <coughs> that his church went on to a place in Sussex called Ashburnham house and uh, there were only single rooms in this conference facility so he jokingly said to his congregation um, we'll all be in single rooms this is a preparation for heaven (laughs) but I'm sure if you are married you know you'll find your partner up there as well um, and down here on the new earth but um, but anyway somehow mysteriously we'll all be in a new status and it'll be a glorious one Uh, united with him and that's what we look forward to but while we're here on earth let's enjoy life whether we're single married or whatever because we're all together with Jesus in the family aren't we and so I'll just pray and then I'll hand back to Sue and uh, Brian so let's pray Father thank you Lord for your wonderful salvation and thank you for the family of God to which we all belong. Thank you that love is the hallmark in the family and uh, we are so appreciative to you for all that we have. I just want to pray for everybody here and who may hear this message that um, they will find what you have for them. Um, Be content where they are, but find what you have for them and want for them 
uh, in the future as well. And uh, may we just live lives that glorify you, whatever our status. Uh, we want it for your sake and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Turn this thing off.